In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable SARS. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as the Binary Saga. Log entry, I'm a Venus 63, 2367, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, Jizun. As you can tell, I'm just in my boring home office at the estate, not on a trip to Fenora. <laughs> that was by far the coolest message you've ever sent me. <laughs> the images are breathtaking, and I teared up because it was such an amazing journey. I love seeing inside the craft and seeing where you live while you're in space. It feels like I got an exclusive look at your job. I'm very proud of you. It cracks me up that you and Helgi think that spaceflight is boring. I don't think I could ever get bored of those views. And if you look behind me, you'll see that I've printed them off. <laughs> I've never been to space, let alone fly to another planet, which is a little weird because the spacing industry is literally my family business, and my best friend lives on one planet, and my boyfriend is from another one. <laughs> By the way, Aria still thinks... Your food situation is unacceptable, and said the job offer still stands. <laughs> I'm sending a video message this time, because I want you to see me, as well as hear what I have to say. I need to confess something too, because I would be lying if I said that I didn't lay on Helki's dock, looking at Von Law, and hoping that you can feel me thinking about you. Sometimes I could feel you right next to me, and honestly, I don't think there was a time that I didn't. I guess Andy was right. I told him how much you mean to me, and the struggle I had with my feelings for you before I allowed myself to embrace his love. He always suspected that you had similar feelings, and I showed him your message, and he once again demonstrated what an incredible person he is. He was not jealous, and was actually moved by what you said. He really does love me, and wants nothing more than for me to be happy and be your friend. I love him very much. And he wanted me to thank you for what you said and was touched that you would reach out to him, even if it was hard. Jason, make no mistake. You were my first love. My first wish. And that's real. And no matter where you go, or who we meet, we will always carry each other on the inside, even if we'll never be together. I still want you to be the first to know what is happening in my life. Good or bad and take you with me on my journeys, even if they're not as cool as going to space. <laughs> my love for you may be different now, but it doesn't mean it's less. Because at the end of the universe, you're my best friend. You're my family. And that will never change. Gosh. Ah, my mom's words mean so many different things. And they hit you right in the feels. <laughs> moms. Thank you so much for the ring. It's incredible. And I knew exactly how to open the box when Vera handed it to me, which was amusing because the ministry protocol officer struggled with it for a few days before Vera told him to just let me try. I had to open the box in front of the cameras because even though it was a personal gift, it's still considered an item in a shared planetary exchange. Everything received from the probe was cataloged and photographed and studied and this non-scientific items will now be on tour around the planet so everyone can see them. 
you should know that the ring is considered priceless. I got to wear it for the official photos and for an impressive layout in a fashion magazine. (laughs) I attached all the photos for you and the video of me opening the box. Maybe you can update that picture in your ship quarters. (laughs) The press made a big deal of the fact that the grandchildren of Iria and Gisto were still in communication. And I got a lot of questions about how close our families are, our friendship, and how we created the network. And just like that, our families were thrown back into the headlines again. Once the ring completes the tour on Haimavina, it'll be sent to the Alithian system. Andy thinks that this will help the Alithians to come around if they see the deep friendships and connections the Haimavinians have with the villains. And as we know, Andy's usually right when it comes to politics. Linnea willing, I'll have it back on my hand in a few years. Again, I can't tell you how amazing it is, and you can tell from the pictures that it fits perfectly on one of my fingers on my left hand. Thank you. I sent you some things on the return probe. They're not nearly as fancy, but they are very personal. So I hope your protocol officers won't confiscate them. It'll make sense when you receive them, and you will know how to open the box. Okay, so tonight is the start of the Mirror Light Festival. I don't think I've ever taken you to the festival in Stromheim. It's not as cool as space travel, but it should be fun. In Stromsheim, they close the piers to everything but foot traffic for the big outdoor market, which is full of food stalls that smell smoked meats, sweets, and warm bread. There are stalls that sell everything from festival crafts, to warm clothes, to art and trinkets. There's also live music, and rides, and games. And of course, Stromsheim has the best Moldvin on the planet. And people have big bonfires on the beaches and send floating candles into the sky every night. It's always been my favorite time of year, and Stromheim does it better than anywhere. The Moldvin is a must, because it's always snowing this time of year, and you can't win prizes with cold hands. Heather and I have an ongoing contest at the Bogie shooting booth, where you have 30 seconds to shoot paper targets on a moving track. Heather has won three years in a row. <laughs> Max and Andy have their own contest at the axe throwing station, and Max is about as competitive as Andy, so there's a lot of razzing. <laughs> However, tonight is going to be insane, because all of Andy's brothers are in town. Orin and Lucas are just as loud, smart, and obnoxious as Juniper described. (laughs) What she neglected to mention was how cool they are. They both wear their long hair pulled back into knots, and have full unruly beards, and wear tons of rings, and have a series of earrings that go all the way up to the tips of their ears. Aside from their academic and family runes, they both have hoofler on their backs and their arms, much like Kai. It must be a space engineer thing. The twins are about the same height as Andy, but they're built big in the chest like Lars. Apparently, they both played rugby at university and still train like they do. Rugby is a physical close contact Alithian sport that involves running an oddly shaped ball down a field. It's a pretty aggressive game, and judging by the size of Andy's brothers, they were probably menacing on the pitch. Rickard is a little shorter than the others, and built lean like Andy. He's an intelligence officer with the Lithian fleet, so his hair is cut shorter. 
and his beard is cut close. He doesn't wear any jewelry or have extra hoof floor. He also sailed for his university and is looking forward to sailing here. He's also challenged you to a sailing race. <laughs> the Vinstraster brothers are always competing. <laughs> Despite the competitive streak, Rickard is very easygoing and the funniest of them all. I actually think you two would get along really well. The Vinstraster brothers are huggers, and when they arrived, they all gave me gigantic and expected hugs. I wouldn't be able to tell the twins apart, except Lucas has a wicked scar that goes across his cheek to his chin that he got while playing rugby. Andy asked me what I thought of them, and I said, Well, gosh, I should have waited to meet the other Vinstraster brothers before settling for you. <laughs> that one we had lots of points with his brothers. And after they were done howling with laughter, they said that I was definitely allowed to marry their big brother. <laughs> Andy actually blushed when they said that. They're staying with us for a few months while Ricard's on home leave. And it's been super fun. I know Andy really needed this because he misses them a lot. Well, the last couple of years have been a mix of good, random, and odd, if that's even possible. Andy went back to Alondra for a few months, and he asked me to come with him, but I had too much work to do, and with my mom traveling, I didn't want to leave my dad. And between you and me, I'm terrified of flying on a spacecraft. Guess that's silly. <laughs> Aria and Lars end up joining him. With the advancement of the interstellar engine, Verxot has become quite the space industry darling, and Aria is constantly being wined and dined by other corporations and houses. When they got back, Lars told me they use it as an excuse to see Huggy in Juniper's new place and see my mom while she's on tour. He told me no matter how old they are, the twins will still be their babies. <laughs> I think that's cute. With my mom gone, my dad was a bit of a wreck. He's been working nonstop, and when he isn't working, Kai and I have to keep him occupied or he mopes around the estate. On the upside, my dad and I figured out our working relationship. We actually have a similar work styles and expectations, and it just took us a while to figure it out. We don't circle each other like wary ice lions anymore, which is a very welcome change. <laughs> okay, on to the random. About a year ago, I received a series of messages from Harik. He's now a legislative lobbyist for ECAL. I have seen him occasionally at the galas over the years. We nod and say, hey. Anyway, he must have been lonely, because the messages were, as you can expect. It's been too long. How's it going? Let's be friends again. Andy and I just laughed and ignored the messages. Not long after, we were at the Keelan Gala, when Har came up to Andy and I at the bar and asked if we can speak alone. I said no. <laughs> He smiled awkwardly and said, CJ, we were together for three years. Doesn't that at least get me a drink and one conversation? I rolled my eyes, but Andy signed to me that I should just go find out what he wants. I kissed Andy and told him I loved him in front of Horik and relished the annoyed look on Horik's face. I followed him to a table, but I kept Andy in sight as he found his way to my parents. Horik asked, why I had not returned any of his messages. And when I didn't answer, he asked, what do you really know about that Alithian? I've heard stories about his house, 
I raised my eyebrow and realized that he was jealous. He told me how much he missed me, and he put his hand on mine and said, CJ, we were each other's first lovers. Don't you remember? Who else can you trust about this? I pulled my hand back because I know how this used to work. And then he expressed his distaste for Andy. And at that point, I just walked away. Later, in the restroom stall, I overheard a voice say, Then just take the buyout and walk away. I'm serious. They will turn you into stardust if you fight back. And the second voice said, You're right. They legitimately scare me, especially. And then my gown zipper got stuck, and my focus changed to panic. And I opened the stall door, hoping one of them could help. But they'd already left. Not only did I not learn who they were talking about, my zipper was still stuck. (laughs) Fortunately, a stunning lithium woman was touching up her makeup in the lounge area. I politely called her for help, and she came over to assist. This is one of the nice things about women's restrooms. Strangers are friends in there. We chatted for a minute while she fixed my zipper. Apparently, she walked in the designer's last runway show and was there for a short photo shoot. Then she whispered, we Alondrans have to stick together. These Hymavenans are so backwards. Just look at their fashion. I was flattered that someone thought that I looked glamorous enough to be an Alondran. She confessed that she had just learned that her ex-boyfriend was at the gala. And I told her that she looked great. And she smiled and said, It should be easy to get him back. Because she was his first lover. And guys never forget their first. I reflected on what Hark said and agreed. <laughs> I thanked her, but I felt sorry for whoever was going to be ambushed by their first lover tonight. I rejoined Andy and my parents and told them that Stromheim was taking her coin in Old Ghosts, and I was ready to go home. Then we heard, Andy! It's Mia! I just found out you were here! And we all turned around to see the woman who had helped me in the restroom. <laughs> I know all about Mia. <laughs> But I was impressed how easily Andy pivoted from shock to polite small talk without letting go of my hand. She was clearly uncomfortable when he introduced my parents and then said, This is the scion to House Jorgensen, Susella. And then he smiled down at me and touched my face and said, But more importantly, she's the love of my life. And Mia stood there, stunned as Andy kissed my runes in front of her. And then he put his arm around me and said, It was nice to see you again, Mia. Good night. And we turned around and followed my parents out of the gala. Poor Mia. I guess he forgot. (laughs) We laughed so hard when we got into the vehicle. And he was quite pleased with himself and said that that was the most fun he'd ever had at a gala. (laughs) Now for the odd. I sat for what was supposed to be a simple article and photo shoot for one of the major business broadsheets. I was there with the other Haimavina House scions, Katie Watson, Daya Yalin, and my Aunt Thora. They took shots of us together, and individual shots, and even a couple with me and Andy. During a break, when the stylists were fixing my fleta, Daya decided to berate me about a deal that she claimed that I ruined. She and I are cordial, but we aren't friends. Aside from being polar opposites politically, I just don't like her. (laughs) Daya is rash, selfish, and dumber than she realizes. But she couldn't be less like her mother, Olga, who is amazing 
and for whom I have nothing but respect. I sat in silence, waiting for Daya to run out of steam and finish with an empty threat, which she thinks makes her sound tough. This time, she said, If you do that again, I'll drop you down a crevasse where no one will find you. And I just smiled and retouched my lipstick, but Andy walked over and asked her if she had just threatened a house member. And Daya whirled on him and expressed her thoughts on the Olivians. Andy's eyes and voice got ice cold as he said, You should apologize, or I will lay a formal accusation on your house. Formal challenges are an ancient tradition that we haven't followed in hundreds of years. But Daya would be in the worst kind of deep-frosted skid if he calls for it. Stupid, as usual, she looked at him and said, Bring it, and then walked out. When we got back to the estate, Thor and I reenacted the diadrama for my parents and Heather, to great comic effect. However, Andy didn't laugh and silently drank his vin. When the article hit the nets, the cover shot looked good. It was the four of us female scions standing against the backdrop of the Stromheim skyline. Daya messaged me and apologized for being in a bad mood that day. When I told Andy that she apologized, he said, Did she? Good. And I thought my dad was protective. <laughs> Hang on. Can you see them? There's Kai and the four Fenstrasser brothers playing an impromptu rugby game in the snow. <laughs> Okay, let me adjust this back to me. As you can imagine, this is Kai's dream come true. We've all taken some time off of work. The past week at the estate has been one non-stop party with the boys. The Vinstrasses and Kai are fast friends with inside jokes, weird slap games, and strength contests, which consists of moving boulders across the grounds or seeing who can bench press me the most, one-handed so far, Orin and Lucas are tied. Kai has cornered me several times and has told me in no uncertain terms that he will space me if I mess things up with Andy. <laughs> you know, if the La sect saw the Vinstras brothers all together, they would reevaluate their Lithian devotion. <laughs> As per your request, I recorded Andy's reaction as you explained the La sect. I think his face is priceless, as it goes from shock, to confusion, to laughter. <laughs> I think you will enjoy it when you watch it. Later that evening, he told his brothers about them, and now the four of them would like to be called the Saviors. It was inevitable. My mom is not helping, because she had shirts made for them that say, The Savior Squad. <laughs> Speaking of my mom, I got her to record an acoustic set for you and Javi, with her ancient guitar. She's not in her stage makeup or anything. She's just mom, cross-legged, in front of a big fireplace in a great room. And this is particularly cool for Andy's brothers because they're huge fans and felt lucky to be there when I recorded this for you guys. She performs five songs, including Javi's favorite, Eternal, and Breathe, just for you. And I'm going to start crying now. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Was that a snowball? These windows are new! Hang on. What are you dum-dums doing? 
Don't you dare throw that at me. Ha! I caught it. No, it's mine now. Hey, stop throwing snowballs at me. Anduin! I swear to Linnea, I will leave you in the harbor next time. I'm back. Oh, if you're wondering, this is what a rugby ball looks like. <laughs> we are currently waiting on Heather and Max and Mari to get here for what will be an historic night, according to Kai. <laughs> I promise to attach videos later. I'm sure they will be ridiculous. Actually, you know, I'm thinking I'm just going to unplug my transmitter so I don't accidentally send you a drunken message that I will regret. Too soon? <laughs> Love always. CJ. Age 33. Log entry. Vela 63. Vela Rotat 2688. Cycle 3 of the 6th Annual. Surprise siege! I know what you're thinking. Oh my god, what's wrong? Why am I getting this message so early? Well, this time it's totally a good thing. Believe it or not, I have already received your latest message, and I'm sending this one back to you right now. While I was out playing Delivery Boy to Feynora and testing module after module on the MagSail ships, the folks at the VSA were developing some incredible new tech that they didn't even need Vela's best test pilot to try out. Turns out that the council was getting frustrated with the speed of communication in dealing with Hymavina, and someone in the radio lab suggested a new platform they have been tinkering with. When Mom heard about it, she pushed hard to get the project fast-streamed and implemented. They tried to explain the science behind it to us, but most of it is so complicated that I just know that it works, and it means that we can talk in half the time than we could before. They are calling it a Paired Particle Computing System, PPCS, and it allows for two systems to communicate with each other regardless of their distance, to a limit though. They developed a whole relay station around it and launched it last Rotat while I was still out at Fenora. It recently arrived at the midpoint between our systems and it will use its own MagSail engine to stay there. Apparently that is the distance they could manage without any signal degradation. Transmissions to and from the platform to Vela are nearly instant, but the signals still need to travel back and forth from Haimavina, so there's still a little bit of a delay. Everything the program had was poured into that single relay platform, so it's the only one for now. I was very pleased to get your last message, especially with what you and I were both feeling. I'm not great at expressing myself in regards to the feelings I was having, so it makes me happy that we're both in the same pool. It would appear that Andy is a lot more perceptive than I gave him credit for. I'm glad for it, and it just makes your relationship with him that much easier for me to accept and admire. I am sure there will be a line of people ready to pounce should he ever hurt you, and I would be fighting with Iria and Rowan to get to the front of it, even if I have to build a ship of my own to get there. You should know that after the crash and all that has happened between us since then, I have been working with my doctors and therapists to reevaluate how I deal with various situations, and I have made a personal decision not to let the past dictate how my future unfolds. This is one of the reasons that I have been experimenting with new things in my life. 
There are a number of experiences out there that I haven't had the chance to try, and our failures can be stream blocks or they can be learning exercises. I choose to see them as the latter. This is why I enjoy my time in the TPP so much. We get to experiment with all the newest technology, and when we fail, we document what went wrong and correct those actions so that we can succeed later. I know I will fail at things now, and the real goal is to move past those failures and see the success that is waiting on the other side. So I have some mixed feelings about the ring I sent. I am amazed and horrified that it is now on some intergalactic tour. The idea that some simple artifacts would be so revered there is astonishing, but the ring itself was meant to be a gift for you to express my feelings, not a planetary event. I had to shine a lot of scales to get that added to the package, and it was only to get the box there. No one, and I mean no one, knew what was in it. When mom found out what I had actually sent, I thought she might take the next craft out here just to yell at me. The Velen response is very similar to what you were seeing on Haimovina. Lots of mixed reactions and changed perceptions. There is talk about how the lineage of Gisto and Iria have been continuing to communicate. The only reason I'm not in front of an inquiry board dealing with the backlash of sending an unauthorized artifact is because of the reaction both here and there. They also recognize that it's helping to improve their relations and create stronger ties with their Haimovinan counterparts. I still got a very stern talking to by the entire council in the main chamber, and it was incredibly embarrassing and stressful. The thing that saved me from them was all of the press coverage here. The photos of you with the ring have already started circulating on the wideband, and because of it, I volunteered for even more time running trips to the Crimson Base Camp. The story that is running now is about how the School of Radiolab Pioneer Gisto have been communicating with Haimovina for over 120 rotats. Now there are interviews and questions from comreps from all over asking about our relationship and my feelings towards you, not to mention how I feel about your relationship with Andy, who they see as some sort of a bridge between Alondra and Haimovina. There are people here that follow relationships there in a fanatical way. And I'm not just talking about the Laarva people either. There are a lot of people that love all of the political and personal drama of who is with whom and why. Now, to some, I'm some sort of scandal that is interrupting the perfect life of the Haimovinan Rangatira. Others see me as some sort of Velen champion fighting to save you from empirical tyranny. I honestly have no idea how they get all of that from a ring. But they read up on the culture and traditions there a lot more than I know of. I'm so embarrassed. I was used to being interviewed from time to time based on who my mother is and the situation with my father, but this is insane. I couldn't wait to sign up for the next flight rotation. I have talked with mom and I let her know that you have added some items that may be a little more personal in nature to the payload. She's working with the council to ensure that any such items would be distributed in private and cataloged separately from the rest of any other items. There has been talk of showing the same respect to the items received. They have already talked about separating out anything of significant scientific nature and any other artifacts that will be open to public viewing to show reverence to how Haimovina is treating artifacts from here. 
it looks like the schedule has the probe arriving sometime between now and your next transmission. So hopefully I will see what you sent in time for you to give any special instructions if needed. Your vid came in and I couldn't wait to watch it as a distraction from what was going on. We have seen some footage and photos of the Mira Light Festival and it does look like it would be so much fun. Your accounting of it confirms that and I would just enjoy coming to see it in person. If only I could book a flight there right now. Mostly to see you and get that personal tour, but also to get away from the press here. Of course, I can only imagine what they would say if that were to happen. We have some festivals that are similar here. When it gets cold, many of the local places do mulled citrus, which is really good, especially if it's spiced. But I think I would like to try a Ven. You know, to compare, for science. I can't imagine it being so cold in the city that you would have enough snow for snowballs. It gets cold here, but it never snows. I have flown over the northern and southern poles of Vela and seen ice and snow, but have never stopped to visit it. The small villages and facilities in those locations are designed to withstand the temperatures, and if you thought the safety regulations for going into space were tough, visiting one of those locations is worse. The polar areas of the planet shift depending on the rotation around Von La, so they thaw and refreeze every other rotation. One rotat you could be throwing snowballs and building ice carvings, and the next you would be scale shading on the beach. I got to visit with Javi's school recently, and Andy's brothers sound a lot like Javi's brother and sister. He was one of three children for his school, and his brother and sister live with their father, but he still communicates with them regularly. They are both very competitive with Javi, and I think it's what drives him in most of what they do. His brother plays Splashta in one of the major leagues. I'm sure you've seen it. It's a swimming sport involving getting the ta into the opponent's net. In some ways, I'm a little jealous of both him and Andy. Having that sort of relationship with your siblings would be nice. When I met Geary, his sister, Javi pulled me aside to give me very strict instructions that I was not to flirt with her, or even think about asking her out. She has an amazing sheen to her scales that shines almost the same color as your hair. I wonder if you had met them before you started seeing Andy, if his brothers would have said the same sort of thing. While I'm sure that information about La Arva's fanatical ideas have reached time of Vina by now and become common knowledge, would you please make sure that the people know the information you told them did not come from me? With all the attention I'm getting, I don't need some secta follower to accost me on the street for mocking their beliefs. Your interaction with Harik has me wondering what his intentions are. I know he was shunned from the network for being overly obsessed with you, but it sounds like he may know something about Andy. Maybe it's some of the Haimavina nature rubbing off on me or some residual jealousy. But it has me wondering what he meant. You know, I have my own concerns about the Alithians, but something about his wording got me wondering, especially seeing Andy's reaction to Daya. It's probably nothing. Watching Frida's vid actually inspired me. Since I have all this free time running missions, I have decided to try and learn a number of different hobbies. You saw my paper folding. Well, the crew started to complain about all the various folded animals I was decorating the craft with and asked me to try something else. I think they now regret that decision, as I have taken up learning to play the kita. 
Those first few runs, they actually locked me in the cargo section while I played many off-key renditions of classic songs from both here and Heimovina. But I think I have started to get much better at it. Javi's face was priceless when we watched the vid together. I had already watched it a few times, so I knew what to expect, and I just watched his reaction. Attaching a vid of it for you to share with your mom. As you can tell, he was joking around with me at first, not expecting it. And then when he saw Frida, he was like a little kid again. He went from excited to nervous in a matter of moments. When she dedicated Eternal to him, I think you can see the moment when he almost started to flood. I gave him an edited version that just has the stuff for him on it, because he has decided he needs to show it to just about everyone we know. Please tell your mom thank you, and that personally, I think her acoustic version of Breathe is the best one. It's in the rotation on every craft that I'm on, and every time it comes up, I think of you. As a return gift, I am attaching a vid of a very poor attempt to play it on the kita with some very bad vocals. Please, please do not show this to your mom. I fear the embarrassment of butchering her song. And please don't let the broadsheets get a hold of it. The last thing I want is another round of questions about me serenading you. As I mentioned, I'm doing round after round of missions to Fenora. We have been cycling various new VSA pilots into the rotation as they push the craft into full rotation. And my role has gone from testing to training since I know these vessels inside and out. There are a few occasions where multiple new testers are on board, so Javi and I got to do one run together. We considered that one our board game run. Since the systems here aren't well equipped for any sort of vid game, and space is limited to a certain extent, we went a little old-fashioned and brought a few analog games to occupy our time. I found an old one in Mom's closet called Arce Noth that she said belonged to Papa Gisto. Javi brought along one that uses small pyramids to simulate some epic space battle. Both of them were really fun, and we decided to start bringing them on more trips that we're both assigned to. The last few runs I've been on, they started to test a few new capabilities they wanted to experiment with. Of all of them, and there have been a lot now, these have been my favorites, since I got to play around with the overall speed of the craft. Normally the design is set to replicate Velen's standard gravity, and we maintain it for the duration of the trip, but they wanted to stress test at higher speeds. We have been doing a few runs at 1.2 or 1.3 times VSG, or Velen Standard Gravity. This tests the craft as well as the biology of those of us on board. Since we are speeding up the craft, it shortens the time of the transit, but due to the time dilation that I talked about earlier, it also affects us. Something that feels like 10 to 12 cycles to us actually takes almost an annual for everyone else. Given how many runs I've done now, I think I'm actually almost four annuals younger than I should be. But those are not the only strange side effects. Previous VSA tests, back when space travel was just getting started, were all performed in microgravity. They found that most astronauts, after sustained exposure, actually increased in height after spending multiple annuals, or even rotats in space. This was why they started incorporating the spinning gravity ring into most long-haul ships. Prolonged exposure was not good for our overall health, so they attempted to simulate gravity of home as much as possible. The concern now is that exposure to increased gravity 
could have the inverse effect and that many of us may come back shorter than when we left. Obviously, there could be other problems as well, so our onboard doctor is carefully monitoring all of our vitals, and we would terminate the testing if anything bad were to start occurring. Trust me, they are playing it safe. For the record, though, I was six fallows tall when I originally left. Who knows? Maybe when this testing is done, you and I will be about the same height. Could you imagine being able to look me in the eyes when we stand across from each other? May the waves guide us. Jason, 33. Log entry. Hyma Venus 64. 2368. The Age of Enlightenment. Hey, Jason. Well, this is a wonderful surprise. I am thrilled that we were able to communicate faster. Of course, you realize this means that you'll have to listen to more of my silly stories. <laughs> And it's for what it's worth. I don't care how it works. I'm just glad it does. Honestly, your message could not come at a better time. Believe it or not, I was just about to send you a message and let you know that I'm okay, in case you heard the news reports. Most of the reporting is correct, but the experience was... Well, I'll get to it in a minute. Thank you for the video. I think you need to give yourself a little more credit. You are a gifted singer. I should also apologize because my mom came into the office when I was watching it, and she agreed with me and said that when you get more comfortable, you could be on the reissue single of Breathe. Is that a Velen Heimavina duet in the works, I hear? No? Stop shaking your head at me. Wait, are your scales turning color? Think of all of those interviews you would have to do. <laughs> it's been tough around here, so I think you made her day. So thank you for that. I feel bad about all the attention you've received over the ring, but my only comment is, welcome to my life. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll have the paparazzi following you and your friends to cafe shops judging your fashion choices, and printing your successes and failures in the broadsheets. Also, I'm a what now? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I have enough titles and names, don't you think? <laughs> Speaking of items, you should have received the items I sent you by now. On the off chance that the note faded during spaceflight, I figured I would explain them to you. The small box is for your mom, and is from Iria, Helgi, and my mom. It's a platinum pennant on a leather necklace engraved with runes that symbolize daughter, sister, and family. The legend says that it will protect and bless the person wearing it. My mom tried to send her one of her silly shirts, but Vera said we were very limited on space. <laughs> mom. <laughs> now the item's for you. There's also a platinum pennant for you, of the legendary compass known as Vegvasir, supposedly, the person bearing this sign will never get lost and will always be able to find their way home. Most mana have Vegvisir as Hufflur somewhere on their body, including me. Mine is inked between my shoulder blades. I figured with all of your traveling to Fenora and elsewhere, this will guide you home when you're out in space. The next one is one of my fleta. There are many legends surrounding this tradition, but the one I believe 
says that when you exchange a lock of hair with someone, they carry you with them wherever they go. And finally, I included a feel stone. Feel stones are covered in runes symbolizing everything from strength to harmony to love and were created in sets of two. The exact origin is lost in time, but the truly ancient mana who lived in tiny villages would exchange feel stones with loved ones if they were away from each other for long periods of time. The legend says that if the feel stones are held at the same time, each person holding one can feel the other person and communicate through their hearts. I found these years ago in a tiny antique shop in Old Stromsheim, and I've always wanted to share this one with you. This will sound funny, but I was actually sitting in front of the fireplace with my eyes closed, holding my feelstone, when your message came in, and I screamed, They work! <laughs> and I ran across the estate to my office. And then you explained the way station, and I laughed because for a moment I almost believed that you could hear me through the stone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why my mom really came in to check on me. As far as everything else in the probe, I think it's mostly scientific items and diplomatic trinkets. Vera apparently sent your mom a very nice bottle of Alondrin Vin. And by far the coolest thing is from the academy. The first year students made plaster handprints and 10 were randomly selected for the probe. As you know, touching hands in my culture is a sacred gesture of love and family. And the molds are meant to give Velen kids a chance to touch and see us. I would tell you all about my year, but it was actually pretty uneventful until a few weeks ago. Right now, everything is split between before and after. Actually, talking about it will be good. I'm not sure what you've seen, but it all started with a stupid vote. I was feeling really proud of myself when I walked into our legislative war room in Hopnina and I told my team the vote would fail. The bill was basically a land grab that we didn't actually care about, except for a tiny piece of legislation that was attached at the last minute. The representative who added the writer was trying to flex her limited power and refused to drop it. We decided to show her what real power looked like and tank the bill. Doing so didn't hurt anyone. It sent the bill back to the floor for debate and delayed passage maybe a week. It was childish, but I don't lose, especially not to a Trishoven protectionist clearly fighting above her weight class. Anyway, I went to the weekly house board meeting and I shared my good news to a round of applause. However, by the time I got back to the office, my executive assistant told me the vote had changed. More than half of the representatives we secured flipped while I was in the meeting. My dad said we could work around the provision and not to worry about it, but I was pissed. I told him that I would fix it. In two hours, I flipped every single vote back except for two. Jason, I haven't worked this hard for a vote, ever. Andy and I had dinner reservations, so I messaged him that I would meet him at the flat because of a stupid work situation. And then I personally went down to the offices of the two representatives, but neither would budge, and the bill passed. When I got home, Andy was sitting at the kitchen island with a bunch of takeout boxes, and he was still in his work clothes and stabbing angrily at his food. 
I apologized for being late and thanked him for dinner. But then he looked at me and shook his head and continued to eat in silence. I thought, he had a bad day too. (laughs) But then I was about to ask him when he sharply asked why I tried to tank the bill that my house didn't care about. It was at that moment I realized who had flipped my votes. He was better at this than me. And I was honestly impressed. When I asked him why he didn't call, he frustratedly said that he had. I quickly glanced at my hand terminal and saw that I hadn't received any calls or messages from him, or anyone for that matter. I showed him my hand terminal, but Andy was still pissed. Then he just shook his head. And he knew why I tried to do it and said, people warn me you outmaneuver those who get in your way. I just didn't think you'd do it to me. When I calmly asked him why he cared so much about this bill, he reminded me that his entire project hung on the bill passing. Before I could point out that he never really told me anything about that, he left the kitchen with his dinner and a glass of Proxima. Jason, I wasn't really paying attention to what was in the bill, and I didn't get any calls from him, and the bill passed. He couldn't have been that mad. He still brought me dinner. <laughs> but he never came to bed that night and had already left for the office when I woke up. Later that day, I had not heard from Andy, so I assumed he needed some space, and I kept my usual fika with the girls. As Mari and I left for the office and got in the car, I messaged Heather that we were running about 10 minutes late. We were only about a few minutes from our destination, and Mari was in the middle of telling me about her new boyfriend when our vehicle got rammed in the intersection and almost flipped. The vehicles I travel in are pretty good sized. They carry six passengers and have good ground clearances for snow and bad weather and can go off road if required. That we got rammed so hard that the vehicle almost flipped is saying something. My first thought was that it was a traffic accident, but then we got hit again from the other side. At that point, all I remember was the sound of crunching metal and the vehicle spinning and everything stopped, and I heard someone shout, She's in the back! And the passenger doors were pulled open, and I saw a person in white, with a matching face mask, yank Mari screaming from the vehicle. My vision was blurry, but I saw my bodyguard slumped over in the front seat, and blood was running from her nose. Then someone dressed like the first assailant tried to drag me out of the vehicle, but I was still wearing my seatbelt. Another voice said, Just cut it. And in that moment, my adrenaline and training kicked in. I slammed my wristwatch against the doorframe to trigger my panic button, which alerted our security service. And then I elbowed the person in the neck like I was taught. But it was at an odd angle, and I felt a sharp pain in my shoulder. And I got punched in the face in response. You've been punched in the face, so you know what it feels like. I thought my jaw was broken, and all I could taste was blood and the sound of a knife clicking into place brought my attention back. And I shifted just as the blade grazed through my coat and bit into my skin just below my ribs. Now certain that I was in mortal danger, I unlocked my seatbelt and grabbed the baton secure to the back of the seat in front of me. I swung it as hard as I could at the closest thing I thought was a person. Fortunately, my swing hit the attacker in the head and disorientated them for a moment which gave me the opportunity to kick them in the head with both feet. 
The person collapsed in the door well, and I looked over to my driver who was slumped over the steering wheel. The vehicles that rammed us had pinned both front doors closed, and there was nothing I could do at the moment for my driver or bodyguard. I could hear Murray screaming, but she seemed really far away. As I shook my head to focus, I realized how much everything hurt. And then I heard someone yell, We got her! Kill the others! Let's go! And I scrambled across the passenger seats to get out of the vehicle. And then I fell on the ground. A voice in my head kept saying, Get off the X. Get off the X. And I heard sirens in the background and tires spinning. And I struggled standing up and I fell backwards on the snow. The pain in my shoulder was sharp and my mouth was full with blood. But I told myself to keep moving. I started crawling in the dirty slush on the ground with one arm. Oddly happy, I was still wearing that beautiful coat that Raythea got me, which was completely ruined. But at least it was keeping me warm. I managed to get to the other side of the other attacker's vehicle and slumped against the wheel. My exposed hand was frozen, and I needed to catch my breath before trying to make it across the street. I must have passed out because the next thing I remember was someone touching me, and I recoiled and I kicked my legs hoping that little trick would work again. And a calm female voice said, It's okay, ma'am. My name is Donna, and I'm a rescue paramedic, and I'm here to help. She asked me my name, but all I could do was mumble because my face was on fire. My driver, bodyguard, and I were whisked to the hospital. We were all pretty banged up, but thank Linnea, no one was killed. The safety features in the vehicle protected all of us from serious injuries, but my driver broke his hand on the steering wheel, and my bodyguard's arm has an impressive bruise from the second impact. I ended up with a black eye, a split lip, and a dislocated shoulder. My coat actually protected me, because the cut on my side wasn't much more than a bad scratch. The kidnappers dumped Mari in a snowbank a few blocks away when they realized they grabbed the wrong person. She wasn't physically hurt, but the emotional trauma has been rough, as you can imagine. At the hospital, I spoke to the detectives and the security agents about what I remembered, which sadly wasn't much. The detectives took my hand terminal to see if it had been compromised. And the security agents said that I did everything right and commended my instincts and training. They joked that maybe I should protect them, because apparently I cracked the assailant's skull. The next time I opened my eyes, it was just my dad in the hospital room with me. He was sitting next to me, with his head down, holding my hand. I squeezed his hand, and he looked at me with bloodshot green eyes, and he gave me his beautiful smile. And he said, Hey, baby girl. How are you? And my face hurt, and my arm was in a sling, but I smiled at him and said I was okay. And he held a cup, and I sipped water through a straw, which tasted glorious. He told me my mom was getting cafe and would be right back. Right about then, I realized someone was yelling outside the door. And I asked what was going on, and he smiled and said, Andy's frustrated and worried about you, and taking it out on the doctors. And I said, he still wants to be my boyfriend? He is very angry at me. <laughs> my dad actually laughed through tears and kissed my forehead. And Andy opened the door and mumbled about living on a barbaric planet with substandard health care. <laughs> but once our eyes met, I started apologizing. And he rushed over 
He touched his forehead with mine and whispered to me how scared he was of losing me. And that our last conversation was a stupid fight over a bill and that he was sorry. We were all released from the hospital later that day. The detectives were able to track down the attackers fairly quickly. Apparently, they hacked my hand terminal and tried to mirror it, but the software they used was designed for phones made on Ganema. That mistake was why I wasn't receiving messages on my phone, and it also left their information and locational data exposed. If they hadn't, the detective said that would have taken them longer to track them down. I still don't know the reason behind the attack, but my dad told me one evening that they wouldn't hurt anyone again, and I don't know what happened to them. And I honestly don't care. Andy likes to be close by, and he told me, I don't know why anyone thinks you need protecting. You are a true matriarch, my love. We still check to make sure my hand terminal works every day, though. <laughs> I got a standing ovation when I walked into the House Jorgensen offices, still looking pretty beat up. Apparently, I'm now the shield maiden of House Jorgensen. And my security team is using Shield Maiden as my two call sign. <laughs> Our wounds have mostly healed, and my arm is still in a sling, and I have a faded black eye, which is why you're listening to this instead of watching a video recording. I've had some wicked nightmares, mostly of voices and crunching metal, and Andy wraps himself around me until I calm down, much like I do with his night terrors. <laughs> we are such a pair. He is determined to take me to Alondra, to have my shoulder properly looked at, because he thinks the doctor has said it here wrong. A few nights ago, Andy opened up to my parents about his late grandmother, Alora, and the vehicle accident that killed her. His description made us shiver, because it seemed similar to my accident, except she died in the vehicle. Andy told us the authorities said it was a random accident, but he always thought it was deliberate. He whispered that the attack against me was his fault and started visibly shaking as a panic attack set in. My dad transformed into Dr. Jorgensen and started to help Andy control his breathing, explaining to him that we were all safe. And Andy shook his head and choked out between sobs. There were things that we don't understand about the cruelty of the Alithian house politics. He kept whispering, hurt people, really awful things and it was clear that he was talking about himself. My dad put his arm around him and said, Son, my house has been in power for thousands of years because we do awful things too. Hear me, Anduin. This is not your fault. And he said something in a laundron slang, and my mom stroked his hair and said, Sweetheart, we know, but you loving our daughter is not why she was attacked. And we all hugged him, and he calmed down. In the morning, Andy was wrapped around me with his head on my stomach like a little kid. And I looked at those horrible scars on his back, and I knew that the panic attack wasn't entirely about me. He's been home a few times, but I know he misses his family and his world, but I realized he needs something familiar. And I thought about your trip on the Yana after your accident, and how it helped you. And maybe I needed something like that too. I certainly can't hide behind these gates forever. And when he woke up, I told him that we can start planning our trip to Alondra. As you can imagine, as soon as Raythea heard about what happened, she wanted to come out immediately, but ended up getting tied up with a few things. 
They actually just arrived, and Andy is meeting them at the ECAL spaceport, even as we speak. I'm sure the staff is conspiring to keep her here. I know they miss her more than Andy. <laughs> It'll be nice this year. I'm expecting her to be in extra mom mode. I'm also excited to finally meet Reese, Andy's father. The one really sweet thing that did happen because of this was that Kai and Mari got back together. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kai stole a plane when he heard what happened because he was at the hospital faster than almost anyone. He apparently barged into Mari's room and told her he loved her and proposed to her right there. And she said yes in front of her parents and her new boyfriend. <laughs> They're getting married in a few months. Tell Javi not to worry. I don't think Mari will stop flirting. <laughs> oh, that's the gate. Raytheon and Reese are here, and it looks like she went shopping again. Raytheon. <laughs> this will be really good for Andy. He's been really strong for me, but the attack affect him too. Sometimes you just need a hug from your mom to feel better. This will be good for my parents because Raytheon and Reese have been through this, and I know my parents will welcome the support. As far as Alondra is concerned, it'll be weird to step on a new planet. But I'm not leaving just yet. There are a few couple big events happening that I can't miss, including Mari and Kai's wedding. I'll take tons of photos for you. And I know we all wish that you and Javi and your mom could be there. But don't worry, though. If your message comes in after I leave, Iria will forward it to me. Or you can talk to me through our fieldstone. Love, CJ, age 34. You have been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason has been played by Steve Petrocelli. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website, or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at The Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. You can also read the print version of the entire first and second season in Kindle or paperback form on Amazon. Print versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.